Hello, welcome one and all. It's time for another Talking Bollocks. Yes, it is. It is time for another wander through all sorts. Well, basically the chaos that is my mind, my opinions, and it's all about me, me, me. My apologies. Welcome. I am Howard H. Smith. I am lead singer with UK, a legendary thrash band, Acid Rain. New album came out, The Age of Entitlement, September last year. Check it out. Um, I also do this podcast. I also do, sta- I also do stand-up comedy as the character Keith Platt, all of which are available. Talking Bollocks, Acid Rain, Keith Platt, you can find on social media. If you have any questions, if you want to interact, if you want to get involved in any way, that's how you do it. The other way you can do it, become a patron. $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith, where you can get... Um, for $5 a month, a shed load of content that is not on here. Behind the scenes Acid Rain stuff, behind the scenes podcast stuff, you get to ask questions of interviewees, etc. So anyway, there you go. That's all the stuff. Welcome. That's the boring intro. Got it done in about a minute, so I'm quite pleased with that. Hello, how are you? What have you been up to? Oh, nothing, because you're locked down. Yeah, same here. Um, so... Yeah, what has been going on? Uh, at the moment, I can I can tell you that um, it is absolutely fucking boiling at the moment. It is currently thirty one degrees. Um, I am got all the windows and doors shut because I'm doing this lovely podcast for lovely you, and I'm sweating my fucking balls off. I don't mind telling you. There's a mental image to start the uh, podcast with. You can just imagine me wearing nothing but a pair of shorts, sweating like a fucking rapist. That's really probably not the the phrase, sweating like a blind lesbian in a fish shop. Probably not that one either. Um, So, I don't know. I'm sweating a lot. Okay, sweating. Anyway, it's enough, isn't it? Move on. Um, So what has been happening in the world of metal since last we spoke? Well, two things have happened. Firstly, um, I have a new uh, competitor um, with Sepultura Quadra for album of the year. And I am not going to talk to you about it. And I'm not going to talk to you about it because the album doesn't come out till August. I also have um, all of the extra tracks they're not releasing as well. So, um, my apologies about that. But you know what? Once we get nearer, you'll you, you know you'll be hearing all about it. And patrons at Patreon will be getting because they they also get um, they get the podcast early, but they also get a, they, I, I do movie bollocks as you know because I do the movie podcast. But there's also um, radio bollocks, which is a radio show which I do specifically for patrons behind a paywall so that's the only way you can get to it and i will be playing a song from that particular album anyway that was fascinating wasn't it but the other album that is out that i is listening to is lamb of god that's right i am i think i'm getting into it i really do which appropriately enough for the first album that i'm actually getting into it's called lamb of god yeah i am actually getting into it um I have to say, um, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Um, Randy does a great job. Um, I, it's still not my favourite vocalist ever, but there's just uh, there's something about what he's doing in this album that I that I like. Simple as that. Um, uh, I've always liked his lyrics. There is um, the, the there's some rather prophetic lyric on the song "Reality Bash," the prophetic lyric of um, the new abnormal, which obviously is you know. 
It's relevant now, isn't it? Big time. But also, there's um, there's a song called um, Resurrection Man, and it starts with the lyric, I was born in a cemetery. Which is fine, you know, if, if, if that's your thing. <laughs> and I don't mind telling you, I did it, I just did that, and I totally caught my throat. I'm wiping tears out my eyes. <coughs> and I was absolutely coughing my nuts up. Um, so, um, so that serves me right. But the point, <laughs> the point being is, the line, I was born in a cemetery, is the opening line of a lyric to a song, is actually, and I'm wondering if it's a King Diamond Merciful Fate tribute. Um, I can't remember the song, but there is um, there is a song that starts um, that goes. I was born in a cemetery under the sign of the moon. That's uh, that's King Diamond. Okay, so there you go. Um, so I'm just wondering if it's a callback, if it's a, a, a tribute in any way, um, uh, if it is great, if it isn't, yeah, whatever. But anyway, and and like like the last track on the hook is superb. Um, new colossal hate that's a classic uh I, yeah i mean i'm what can i say i'm always open to uh you know to to new things and i've given it a whirl and you know what i am really enjoying it i really am so uh i mean i'm sure you know and and to be fair i did also watch as the palaces burn i know it's almost like i'm becoming a fan a lot of some some of my friends have um have uh, have really been surprised, but um, yeah, and I and, and I really enjoyed it. That's the documentary about um, uh, what happened when uh, they went on tour and Randy uh, ended up in jail. Um, and it was yeah, it was that was a really good documentary. I'm just loving it. Having said that, the very last line of the documentary, right, is one of the band saying, "Well, after we've got after going through this, I guess we're stuck together until the end of time, unless one of us dies." Um, and that was Chris Adler, ladies and gentlemen. The very last line of the documentary. Who's <laughs> not in the band anymore? It's Chris, isn't it? So anyway, that's the la- that's the Lamb of God section out the way. That was quite big, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, um, yeah, uh, really enjoying it. And go for it. Give it a whirl. Um, there you go. Can't talk about the other one. New album of the year. I tell you what else. What is cool? Um, I'm enjoying the Mordred single single ep i do apologize um there there seems to be some sort of disagreement um on this at the moment and um i i I know a few friends um are not keen but i'm kind of liking it um i have to say after all these years i wasn't exactly over the moon with the second track being a um uh, a rap tune basically um so yeah that's that that's not ideal um but the ep is called volition um i'm i'm a big fan it's only available digitally i think but um you probably want to check up on that available in all new uh usual places um i mean i'm looking on amazon at the moment it's three pound 49 uh volition it is i yeah i mean I, i i like it four tracks Three of which I think are great. One is quite challenging because Scott's doing some really interesting um, vocal stuff. But again, I like it. It's not for everyone. Um, so there you go. Moving on. Gary Holt has defended maybe baby metal. Well, Gary, old friend of mine, is wrong. No, he's not. He's, he's, he's not wrong. What he's saying is basically it's all entertainment. 
isn't it? It's all... And, and do you know what? I, I found myself talking to somebody the other day and I was saying, basically, everything is valid. Every kind of... No matter how shit you might think it is, and you might think it's worthless, like I do baby metal, frankly. But by the same token, no matter what it is, how shit, whatever it is, if someone then hears it and they like it and it inspires them to become an artist, to whatever then it's kind of been a good thing because you never you know you you may end up being a fan of that person i mean it's the old classic that um rush always credited um chuck billy um chuck <laughs> rush credited chuck rush always credited chuck berry that's one of their major influences. Not Chuck Billy. I can't imagine Chuck Berry fronting Testament. And I can't imagine Chuck Billy as a uh, genre-defining black musician either. Um, fucking hell. Uh, sorry about that. So anyway, yeah. Um, uh, Rush always claimed um, Chuck Berry as, a, uh, as an influence. But uh, yeah, pfft, really not bothered. But they heard Chuck Berry and created Rush and you go like wow Rush is awesome like for instance you know Diamond Dead not bothered Metallica wow so I'm kind of going back on everything I've said when I've been battering baby metal about being absolutely worthless and corporate and and, and they, it is a splinter a splinter off from their um, from their kind of pop idol show um, but ultimately yeah you know it, 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 does it have any artistic value no for me but it could still for somebody else and that may lead to us, you know, getting some sort of artist at some point. So I do realise I'm kind of going on back on what I've said. I don't get me wrong. I hate baby metal and I think it's utter fucking drivel. Um, I, th- I, you know, personally, it has no, it has no artistic value. It has, it, well, it has no value to me whatsoever. But again, as I said, you never know, do you? Fuck it, I'm, I'm being too reasonable at the moment. It's ridiculous. Um, but I tell you what tell you what Sepultura fans must be absolutely overjoyed because former Sepultura guitarist Jaro Tormentor Guides launches old school death metal band The Troops of Doom do you know what he should go on tour with that fucking nobody who used to be in Judas Priest that nobody can fucking remember Jesus fucking Christ they're coming out of the woodwork aren't they you know, original Judas Priest vocalist that no one cares about or remembers, and original uh, Sepultura guitarist that no one cares about and no one remembers. And he's putting a band together called The Troops of Doom. What a brilliant fucking name. I wonder where he came up with that from. I mean, fucking hell. How long is it since he's been in... I mean, this is what happens in fucking lockdown, isn't it? Hey, people in lockdown, they've been locked down so long, they finally decide that a band they were in when they were fucking teenagers, when they were children, when they were unknown, is suddenly... Their fans are suddenly in need of knowing what I am up to. What is it with these fucking people? I've just realised how I can actually just... I've walked straight into an argument about me bringing acid rain back, haven't I? Um... Okay, right, how can I get out of this? Well, okay, here's how I get out of this. I'm a fucking bona fide original member. That guy, he's just a fucking... Just an extra guitarist. Basically, what we're talking about here is, yeah, not Max and not Andreas. That's right, it's somebody else. It's the guy who was in the band when they were shit. It's actually the guy that was holding the band back, replaced by Andreas Kisser, 
Sepultura then go on to get a record deal and record all-time genre classic albums. And, but not until they got rid of this fucking cunt. And apparently, now, he's going to form a band so you can actually hear why they weren't successful when he was in Sepultura. Lucky you. Fucking hell. Blood, it, 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 honestly, lockdown's got a lot to answer for. I'll tell you who else has got a lot to answer for. Um... Um, Lennon and McCartney Lennon and McCartney I've got a bit of a problem with the song um, with the Beatles song um, Come Together okay now it's a lovely it's a lovely it's a lovely lovely message and it's a lovely vibe okay and especially you know at a time like now but the lyrics come together right now over me. Bukaki, innit? I mean, I, I'm just... <laughs> the, the Beatles do Bukaki. Um, <laughs> come together, right now, over me. I'm sorry, they're the fucking words. It's got nothing to do with me. Don't be fucking... Don't be having a go at me. Right? That, even if you're a Beatles fan, you've got to admit, that is a bit fucking weird. Having said that, coming from a band who did as many drugs as the Beatles, okay, released more than that one album a year sometimes, and decided to stop touring because they could, they're entitled to do whatever they like, including writing songs about Bukkake. Fine. And I tell you what, Rob Flynn, he's allowed opinions. He's got lots of them. I mean, I, I, I guess he's a bit like me. You know, you, you know, you take him or leave him, love him or hate him. I'd like to think he's a little less self-aware than myself because uh, it's not until all the members of his band have left that he goes on to social media and do a little video about why they've left and he knows why they've left and he hang on too tight and basically says a load of things that he should have actually sent to the members that would have stopped them leaving in the first place. But there you go. Okay, so I've completely trashed him, but now I'm going to say Rob Flynn thinks driving gigs are stupid. Do you know what? He's not wrong. Who wants to go to a drive-in gig? What? I mean, what are you going to do? At the end of the song, what do you do? Flash your fucking... Full beam, full beam, uh, horn. Full beam, full beam, horn. I enjoyed that greatly. Stick your head out the sunroof. If you've got one, applaud. You know, sit, what do you do? Do you open the windows and sit on the, uh, sit on the door, you know? Dukes of Hazard style for want of a fucking more relevant and more recent cultural fucking reference. Um... Yeah, I mean, yeah. Younger listeners, pause podcast. Look for Dukes of Hazard. Um, sorry, guys, but uh, he's not wrong. I mean, fucking a, a yeah, a drive-through gig. And as mentioned in a previous podcast, if you're gonna sorry, drive-in. I keep messing up. But if you are gonna go to a drive-in gig, do you really want your first one to be Doro? Hey, I mean, look, look, and I'm not. I'm genuinely, genuinely not being sexist. I've never ever rated Doro for some reason I know she's a legend in some people's eyes but uh, hey, not mine but who gives a fuck about me and my opinions well, you lot clearly because you're fucking listening um, and um, uh, oh before we go well before I go and let's crack on into an interview um, motionless in white frontman my mental health is on a serious decline this year there you go and um, well yeah, I checked, so I checked out some uh, Motionless in White. It's Chris Motionless Cerulli. See what he's done. There. See what he's done there. Um, 
In the past, uh, in the past March, Motionless in White was forced to postpone its previously announced US tour due to COVID nineteen. Yeah, what a surprise! Who else hasn't? Uh, he tweeted, "My mental health is on a serious decline this year, especially this month. I can't believe how worthless I feel not being able to tour, having so much fun." Uh, and so much time to sit in my own head and obsess over regrets and self-hatred. I hope anything, uh, anyone else experiencing similar feelings are doing okay. Now, I'm not going to ridicule the guy because you don't ridicule people um, with mental health issues and certainly not when they are, you know, um, being so honest about it. But what I will say, I was warned a long time ago as a comedian, do not wrap up your self-esteem in your act. It's especially, especially relevant if you're a st- if you're a stand-up comedian because you're on your own and if you wrap up your self-esteem in your act as I was told if you go on and you die or it doesn't go very well you come off and you you come off and you carry it with you they hated me yeah whereas no they hated your act not you they hated the persona that you project on stage that is different that is somebody else what you can't do is use comedy or performing as a source of um, crutch to deal with any mental issues you have. The point I'm making is what Chris Cerulli has done is clearly, like he said, I can't believe how worthless I feel not being able to tour. Exactly. He hasn't dealt with the underlying issue of his self-esteem issues, his depression. What he's done is use the band as a fix-it device. He's used the band as medication. Well, that is a terrible, terrible idea. A, it's not a good idea for you. Just obviously out the gate. Also, the other four guys in the band don't need the kind of weight that is having to carry your mental well-being as part of the band. That's a bit unfair. What you need to do is... And, and look, I'm, I'm not... You know, I'm, like I said, I'm not having a go at the guy. I'm really not. But ultimately, you can't use a band, uh, a comedy, whatever it is. If you're a performer, you cannot use that as a way of making you feel better about yourself. You can use it as a way of having fun and going, awesome, this is great, I'm loving it. That's wonderful, it's something to be enjoyed. But it is not a fucking medication. It is not something that you should be using to cover up the cracks in your life. And clearly this dude needs to actually address the issues instead of covering them up by feeling better about himself by being in a band. So there you go. I mean, I like, you know, initially I didn't know where that was going. I'm quite pleased because I could have sounded like a massive cunt there and had a real go at him. Um, which, well, I could have, but I would I would have been a massive cunt. Um, so, yeah, anyway, look, I, I, I guess occasionally I mention mental health here, as you know, and I just wanted to do it again. So let's get out of the stories and let's get on with a fucking interview, shall we? So now it is over for the second um, week in a row. I, well, second podcast in a row for a two-part interview. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, two-part interview. Uh, yeah, I do leave all that shit in if it's your first listen. Um, uh, they were separated by, I think, about three weeks. And, um, well, you're going to hear. So, um, yeah, we there's a there's a three-week gap. We have, uh, Derek and I have met before. We met in um, in Glasgow at Lord of the Lands when Death, a- well, Death Angel, when Dark Angel headlined. Um, and that was the first time we met Derek, and he was very cool. We uh, And we had, a, we had a really good chat. And um, 
He's uh, he's a he's a fun guy, full of personality, and um, this is a couple of chats um, split by, like I said, probably about three weeks. And uh, this is what we had to talk about just the other week. Hello. Hello there. Hey Howard, how you doing, man? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Yeah, I appreciate you uh, moving up the time here. It's uh, it's a beautiful day here, and then, and uh, my kids want to do something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh man, I, I I very much feel like the facilitator now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, well, when you've been when you've been trapped inside as long as we all have, I mean, it's been lovely weather over here for the last sort of fortnight, and you know, mm. basically people are just going right. We're going to the park, and that's it. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. You know, I got a an eight year old and a six year old, and they're they're full of energy, and it's hard to keep them inside all the time. And now they're it's beautiful weather. The restrictions are getting lifted a little bit, and the parks are opening up, and they know, and they're like, "Let's go! Come on, let's go! Let's go!" Yeah, <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> oh mate, no, no, no worries, man, no worries. So, um, how are things in um, how are things in your world then? Um, because you know you've you've you I, I mean I saw you back in 2018 playing a killer show by the way um oh, up, up in Glasgow I really felt do you know what I felt like um it was one of those shows where it's like uh, after your set I was like right okay so it's like we clearly we've gone we've gone up a level do you know what I mean um <laughs> well, I, I I appreciate that and that show for us I mean first of all the venue is great love Scotland yeah um uh, I'm a big fan of their whiskey. <laughs> so, <laughs> as as you probably saw later on that night, I, I had a little bit too much. But um, I, I think I, I think I know. do remember. But to be fair, sir, I think <laughs> I was in. And in fact, were you were you in the were you in the dressing room at, right right at the very end of the show when? Um, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because um, Guns was walking around forcing everybody to drink Crown Royal, and yeah, um, yep. he just like hand you the bottle and go drink enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, time a drink. I've, in fact, that was probably that was probably the most time we spent together the whole night was actually in that dressing room afterwards because I think we were just we, we we were getting very merrily drunk. Yeah, well, I, I was beyond merrily. You know, this I, I you know after a show, I'll have a drink or two or three or four. You know, and, and I'll, I'll feel good. But sometimes the stars align, and and whatever I ate that day, either you know, is, is left in my stomach or not. And sometimes I just get to a point where it, I'm a mess. And that's that <laughs> happened maybe three times and uh, over the past, you know, four years or whatever. And that was one of them. And that was a legendary night, you know. Yeah. I was such a mess, man. And I, I apologize to all the, you know, to the Dark Angel guys. And, you know, they were like, that's cool, man. We, we know you. It's fine. And, um, but, yeah, that night I, I was a... Uh, <laughs> I was quite to the sight, I guess you want to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Well, yeah. I mean, I was um, I wasn't driving, so I wasn't exactly sober myself. But um, yeah, no, it was um, uh, it was good times, man. Good times. And um, so, what, yeah, was, uh, what have you been? What have you guys been doing since? Because um, you know, are there any, are there any plans to put anything together? Well, yeah, there is. I mean, we've got material. Uh, we've got just about enough material for uh, for a new album. Uh, that was our plan. You know, I mean. We, we, we've kind of come into this very slow and very uh, just uh, methodical because, you know, this isn't our, our, you know, our, our full-time gig. It's something that we really are very lucky that we're able to do, you know, 30 years later and, and be more successful now 
than we were back then, which is crazy. It doesn't make any sense. And we don't question it. We don't try to figure it out. We're just like, all right, let's go. Yeah, you know? I, I know that so, feeling. Because, you know, we, yeah, exactly. You know, and we, we wrote ourselves off for dead, uh, you know, yeah. many, many years ago. So, uh, you know, we all have jobs, wives, families, and, and other things. So doing this, you know, playing these shows uh, basically on the weekends or, you know, a couple of shows in a row or something like that, it's great, but it, it is, you know, it is, I guess you want to say, an, an interruption to the rest of our lives. So we've been doing things slow uh, just because we just don't have the time to, to really dedicate to, to everything. And, but over the past, you know, three, four years since we've you know, decided to come back, uh, we've written a, a good amount of material. And, you know, the hope is that, that it can come out. Um, when we first started, you know, many record labels were like, all right, come on, let's go, give us new material. I mean, the big ones, you know, all of the big labels. And that was great. Uh, so we, that gave us a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of hope and a lot of uh, motivation to write something good. And, and that's what we're trying to do. And, and that's another reason why we're, we're kind of taking our time because, you know, I, I've been part of, you know, Demolition Hammer has three albums out. The first two were, or, you know, James, Steve, Vinny, and myself, and, and we wrote aggressive thrash metal music. Uh, the next album that came out, Vinny and James had left the band, and Steve and I were like, well, let's, you know, write a Demolition Hammer album. And, you know, without all four of us in it, it didn't sound the same. So we, you know, we wanted to change the name of the band and, and do something completely different and call it something completely different, but the record company wasn't going for it. So, you know, we were like, well, we already got the material. Let's put it out and cross our fingers and see what happens. And it was a disaster. You know, people who were fans of that aggressive music, uh, those first two albums just panned it. And oddly enough, people that had never heard of us before then heard that liked it. So there's a little bit of that still going on. But uh, so being on that side of it, you know, Steve and I can attest, we don't want to put out something that's not, you know, true Demolition Hammer, those first two albums. We want to put out something that's like that, that's good like that, that is, is true and, you know, pays homage <laughs> homage to those, uh, you know, to those first albums. So that's so, what we're trying to do, and we're taking our time and making sure that what we put out is, is going to be good, So all these to our standards anyway. All, all these years later, you're planning on putting out um, a follow-up to your second album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, dude, we, dude, end of last year, we released our first album for 29 years. So, you know, oh, man. I'm not That's giving awesome. you no, no, no flack from me. I'll, um, yeah, I'll, 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 um, I'll send you a link to it. Um, oh, do, do, do you stream or do you download? I, I do either or. So I, I will, uh, okay. or I could, I'll find it, man. That's not a problem. Oh, no, don't you worry. I'm I'm not going to leave you to your own devices. I am going to shove it right down your throat and make sure you've got it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I definitely want to hear it. Oh, cool, man. Well, look, it is an awesome feeling when you get around to it. And funnily enough, a lot of what you were saying, I really identified with um, the the coming back and finding out that, you, you know, you're bigger than you went away. How did that happen? Um, yeah. and the, you know, the second chance at something that you thought had gone. I mean, I know, yeah. I, I, I know it, it kind of, when we first came back, it surprised me that I, I was finding people who got into the band after we'd broken up, yeah. you know, and, and years later, do you know what I mean? In like the mid nineties or the two thousands. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. well, that's, and, and it, I think it's because when, when the band finished for me, 
in my mm-hmm. mind, that's it. That's the end of the band. The band is no more. The end. Right. But of course, this, your music's still out there, and people go on and discover it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But you're completely removed from that world, and then coming back to it to see, you know, bumping into people who've who, who got, you know, got didn't get a chance to see the band first time round and stuff like that. That always amazes me. Yeah, it it does, man. And, and it, to add to that, it's amazing to see people who are, you know, in their 20s and, and they weren't even alive when, you know, our, our last albums came out. And, yeah. And they're like, oh, man, you guys, you know, have gotten me through some periods in our lives. And I'm like, what do you mean, like four years ago? <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. You know? And yeah. So I'm sure, you know, you go through the same thing, man. And Oh, and, yeah. And I don't know about I don't know about you as well, but I, I um, when I get out on stage and start playing that music, I I I feel exactly the same way as I did back in the day. Yeah, except I feel a little bit slower. But yeah, like, well, well, I know you know there, there might be the odd there might there might be odd, the, the the you know a few less high kicks from myself these days. But um, right. actually, I rem- I remember you terrassing around on stage like a badass in Glasgow. You were all over the shop. Yeah, you know, I, I we try. I mean, that again, that was one of our, our things that we were very proud of back in the early days. So in the early days, you know, nobody knew who we are. We were, I mean, compared to now, it's not like we're nobody. It's not like a lot of people know who we are now. But then, you know, we were just ten percent of what we are now. And um, you know, we would we would play every show, no matter whether there was four people there or four hundred people there. Um, and you know, at these tiny clubs, we would go nuts. And we just said to ourselves, you know, a we're going to have fun, but b we're going to make those people who do come to see us at least say, well, you know, they kind of suck, but they were crazy on stage, you know. So that's that's kind of what we were trying to accomplish. And so now coming back and playing shows live now, we don't want to lose that because we were very proud of that. That was something we were really proud of back in the day. Um, but you know, now we're much older, so it's harder. But we. We we persevere through it. <laughs> yeah, and and I've always I've always said I've always believed the key, the key, if there is just one, but the key to live performance is um, uh, is movement. Yeah, you know, it's just it's it's really not it's really not that difficult because basically. I mean, I do. I've done stand up for twenty five years in between stints in the band as well, and and oh, um, that's awesome, dude! I, uh, Can I find some of your stuff online? Um, yeah, there's, 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 I do, I do a character, so I'll, I'll, I'll send you a link to that because it's, uh, but I, I, I do a character called um, Keith Platt, professional Yorkshireman, um, <laughs> and um, uh, and Chris Rock mentioned it in stand up, and I thought, and I didn't make the connection. Oh, wow. I didn't make the connection until um, I, I saw a piece he was making and when I was back in the band. And it was just basically, um, as, a, you know, as, as, a, as a stand-up, you, uh, I always make sure there's a lot of movement because you move backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, and it means that audiences right. can't take their eyes off you. If you're just stood there telling jokes at a mic stand, people can turn around, talk to their friend about something, turn back in the safe knowledge you'll be there where they left you. But right. if you are constantly moving... They never turn away to talk to somebody. So you keep them engaged. You keep their concentration and you keep their focus. And to a, to a, I mean, it's more, you know, that's, that is a real key in stand up because, you know, you're not playing tunes. You need people to be focused on, concentrating on what you're doing and being quiet. But when you're in a band, I still think it's the same, 
it's the same philosophy. You know, if you're an audience member and you and you're just like it's a blur of movement on stage, you 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 just you're just transfixed because you're you, you know you don't know where to look. You know what I mean? Right. And that is that is what I personally feel just really keeps a live audience you know engaged. And you guys were all over the place in a good way. Oh, thanks, thanks. <laughs> yeah, we we noticed the same thing too. I mean, I've seen. So many bands that I, you know, I think are really, really good and, and fantastic. You know, I, I love their music, but when I see them live, they just kind of sit there, you know, and they stare at their instrument and they sound amazing. I mean, you, you know, you can attest to this when you're, you know, playing live and moving around like a nut. You know, you can make a lot more mistakes, and uh, you know, so I, I get the point of, of sitting there and, and not moving, but. I don't know, man. I I can't do it. I I have to move just in general. But if, yeah. if I'm in an audience and, and if I if I want to hear it sound flawless and perfect, I'll sit home and and listen to the album. If I go to a show, I, I'm there because I want my ears to be stimulated, but I want my eyes to be stimulated. I want to see these guys, you know, or, or whatever band I'm watching, just going crazy or doing something rather than just you know feet nailed to the floor. Well, that's it. And, and, and also, you know, it's a gig. You know, this is the live version of this song. You know, you've got the studio version. You've got the album version. You don't want to hear that right. version again. You know, you're not here for that. You know, every, yeah. every night is, is a unique experience and each song is slightly different. And, you know, you start developing them and stuff like that. Um, and this is what does my head in about, you know, bands up in that top 5% these days where so so many using pro tools and i just don't i just don't get it yeah yeah well sometimes i do and sometimes i do well, actually most of the times 99% of the times i don't but i i see you know there's a lot of debate about like kiss and how you know they're using backing vocals and backing tracks and stuff like that you know i was a kiss fan since i was you know 7 years old um and so i know a lot of the material and i, I they're you know, legends in this field, uh, you know, and so I kind of going to cut them slack. I mean, they're almost in their seventies, man. They can't hit those notes. They can't play, you know, they, their, their instruments of their vocal instruments just can't do it anymore. So, but they still want to go out there and they still want to play. So, you, you know, you have the choice of, well, I could go see Kiss and have them sound like crap because they literally can't do it. Or I can go see them, and it's still them, and it's still trying, you know, for them to do what they can do, uh, you know, and they're using technology to get them there. But so I'll cut them slack. But other bands that don't need it, you know, they it seems that they will probably would have overreached in the studio, done too much, um, you know, Pro Tools and, and and just too much stuff, and then they can't replicate it live, and now they look really bad live because they can't sound like the album. And that's just a mistake, you know. If you if you need all that stuff to make your music, you know, sound good, then maybe you know uh, you should you should uh, <laughs> you should look probably at not play live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, the thing is, there's the I, I think there's maybe that school of thought, but personally, I think there's more a school of thought. Whereas you're getting you're you're getting the you're getting the pro tooled version of a gig because management right. basically mm-hmm. wants to erase mistakes from the band's performance live, so. Yeah. You know, they don't even have to be that technical a band. I'm just thinking of one band that I know in particular who are fucking huge. And, um, you know, if, if their Pro Tools go down, there won't be a gig. And um, yeah. and and it's just, yeah, it, it's it's sad to see. But um, it's funny you were saying about Kiss there. Uh, got to admit, not a fan, but, you know, let's put that aside for one minute. 
when you were telling the story there of like you know they can't do it anymore they kind of but they want to and blah and I was thinking do you know what it, it, that, that story it, it sounded like you know a boxer who's thinking of coming who, who's, who really wants to carry on doing it you know right and it's like no do you know what there, there should be somebody in Kissy's corner just going guys guys you know <laughs> you've had your time okay you know you need to retire no no I've got one more in me you haven't you haven't <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know man I, I listen that's how they that's how they make their living that's how they do what they do um and you know back to what you said about you know seeing a band sit there and stand kiss isn't just about the music i mean i like the music because that's what i kind of grew up on but to me you know if they just put out the music all by itself without the you know allure of, of you know the whole stage show and stuff like that uh, to me it would be a different band and it might not be as appealing so you know, when you go see Kiss Live, I think the music is part of the show. It's not the yeah. whole show. So I don't mind that they do that. You know, it's, it's more like a Broadway play. And, you know, they don't have a full orchestra if you go to a Broadway play and it's all on tape. Well, all right, well, yeah. you're there for the whole show. So that's how I view that. Fair so enough. Yeah, yeah. So that's that. a... That's you know, a, but if you, get a, if you get a band that's, like I said, that's, you know, they're just out there trying to play music. They're not trying to be... Uh, a whole, you know, encompassing entertainment thing. They're just a band, and they need that support. And they need that prop. Then, you know, that's that's just shame on them, man. Because you shouldn't be like that. Well, funnily enough, when you were talking about Kiss there and about you know the music being part of the show and all the rest of it, and I was thinking, do you know what? You could have swapped out word Kiss for Ghost. You know, it's very oh, very I'm similar. Not a fan of that band. <laughs> no, no, neither am I. Yeah. We, oh, good, good. We agree. <laughs> Um, I'm not saying that they're like you know similar to Kiss at all, but they're just like you know um, uh, marketed as the Exorcist and sound like Scooby Doo. <laughs> uh, I'm going to steal that from you, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no worries. Because <laughs> I was, who was I talking to somebody about that the other day, talking about ghosts, and I said the same, you know, almost the same thing. I'm like, I guess it's great to watch them theatrically, but. I don't know. The music doesn't do it for me, and that's just me. I'm sure, you know. Yeah. Obviously, they're successful, and obviously, you know, they have an appeal. Um, but you know, I like what I like, and I don't like what I don't like, and, and they're one of the bands that I don't like, and uh, for no other reason than I just don't like the music. Now, you know, visually, I think it's it's kind of cool. I mean, I've seen pictures of the masks with no faces, and I'm like, ah, that's kind of a cool idea. But you know, it's just not my cup of tea, I guess. Well, I, I yeah. I'm... I got I got suckered in by the visuals before I heard the music, so I was I was expecting like oh my god fucking hell you know it's it's like merciful fate for the new generation, you know this is this is going to be great and then I heard the music and I was just like this is like Barclay James Harvest or something what the fuck is going on yeah here? it's a bit weird for me you know uh, yeah and. You know, I'm kind of almost the same way. I, I I never really heard of them until I heard other people talking about them. And you know, I I've got some friends that are you know really into the music uh, business, and and you know you got to be careful when you hear people in the music business talking about bands because they you know they're talking about potential of of earnings and sales and stuff, and, and not necessarily whether the band is good or not. Um, yeah. You know, so they were thinking, oh, this band is great and everybody loves them and they're going to be huge. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I, that means they must be good. And, and I listened to them and I said, well, I, I don't see it, but hey, good for them. 
Yeah, and you know what? It is. It is. Um, it's. It, in, in fact, if you think about it, if you think about it, um, they, he's taken the Kiss model. You know, the main man. I can't remember his name for for the minute. He's taken the Kiss model. He's worked on that, but he's actually he's done a Gene. I mean, Gene will be kicking himself that he didn't do this. He's got rid of the band. He's just. Yeah. He did. Yeah. So it's like basically, Gene must be looking at that, going, "Oh man, I fucked up." Yeah, but Gene is nothing without Paul, and Paul yes. is nothing without Yeah, Gene. yeah, no, I, I, I agree, I agree. But, um, but yeah, he's perfected the uh, the band model. Don't have a band. Yeah, you know, just and, sack them off and put them in masks as well. Yeah, and then you can have anybody in the band. You can pay them crap because you know it's not about them. It's about yeah. this guy's character, and you know it's still. I mean, like I said, I. I don't want to flag them because, you know, they're, again, they're successful and this, the guy's doing what he wants to do and, and he's successful. That's so good for him and he's got a lot yeah. of followers, but it's just not my cup of tea. You know, no, no, I, and, I like and more. Yeah. You know. I agree and fair play to him as well for being so open about it. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah. You know, he's been he's been quite open and honest about it. Not from day one, but it's not the kind of conversation that's going to come out day one. But um, yeah, you know, it it it, it is what it is. Um, plenty of people seem to like it, but um, it's not for me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> so um, so presume were you have have you had any like festivals cancelled on you this year? Oh, we've had everything cancelled on us this year. Shit. Well, been, yeah, you know, we were uh, we were supposed to play with Napalm Death. And Worm Rotten and uh, in in Switzerland, uh, first week of, of March. Right. And that's when Corona really started to get you know bad. So literally, you know, we had our plane tickets, we're ready to go. You know, we're we're worried about it, but you know, we don't really know you know the, the impact that coronavirus obviously will have. It's it's all still very new to us. So we, we've got that you know uh, worry, but. Basically, the day before we're supposed to fly out, they um, the city of Zurich canceled the show because it was a, it was show was happening in a venue that was owned by the city, and they're like, "Well, we don't want to spread this thing. We're canceling it." So, that, I mean, you know, at that point, everything just went downhill. As soon as that fell, all our other shows for the whole year just fell one after another after another. And, it's, yeah. and I mean, that's yeah. that's not independent of us. I mean, that's everybody and, and yeah. everywhere. Yeah, well, we, we've and, had to we've had to cancel um, our album tour. Um, well, not cancel, uh, but it's yeah. going to take place in twenty twenty one. So we've put a first album out for twenty nine years. Can't fucking tour it. <laughs> Doesn't that suck? I mean, yeah, you know, you, oh, I mean, you're right. God. You're right to laugh because it is pretty funny, actually. But um, well, I'm, I'm not laughing at like. You know, <laughs> I, no, it's fine. It's fine. Honestly, <laughs> it's genuinely funny. It's just like, oh my god, you know. I, we, we, we mustered up this, that we're psyched all of a sudden, and then boom, kick right in the nuts. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of what it is. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, This the music business, well, it's called the music industry now, because it ain't a fucking business. Um, no. And um, uh, we, um, we've been with the same live agent since we came back. We've been together five years, you know, we finally, yeah. you know, finally got the album out. The album came on the Friday. On the Monday... Live agent rang us and dropped us, having already booked the first half of the album tour, and and oh, and dropped us. I know, and I was like, "You're fucking joking," you know. But this is this is where we've been aiming for all these years, and you're like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" So, um, but as it is, you know, the tour would have been uh, would have landed in a time that would have been cancelled anyway. So, you know. Yeah. 
yeah. it, it it does suck. It does suck. But um, are you oh, are you yeah. rearranging? Are you are you are you rearranging? Are you getting you know people saying, look, we're gonna we'll go again next year or. How's it? How's it? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of that happening, and and you know, m- one of my uh, really good friends is our booking agent. I've known the guy for a million years, and and uh, at least our booking agent in America, and, and he books bigger bands here. Like he books Answer, he manages Anthrax actually, and over and Overkill he books, and all the the big you know thrash bands here. Um, and you know, I talked to him about you know what the industry is going to be like, or what the business is going to be like, and. and you know, and he he's shaking his head. He's like, I don't know what's going to happen, man. Because it could, obviously, you know, if you're a booking agent, you make your money off of live performances, your commission off live performances. There's none. So basically, yeah. your business is shut down for a year because they're not expecting anything to come back until at least, you know, February of, of, of 2021. So, you know, and that's just an expectation. There's no, you know, things could get worse again. Nobody knows. So... So your money's gone there. There's there's no income now. We're very fortunate of a band that you know again you know we, when this band was dead in the water to us we you know we have other jobs and, and lives and, and careers and stuff so we don't really depend on on Demolition Hammer for our income at all. Uh, but you know there's bands that do a lot of those Florida you know death metal bands that, yeah. that just basically. I mean, those guys are, are in dire straits because well, now was, what, what are they going to do? I was talking to, I was talking to um, everything is closed. How are they going to live? Well, I was talking you to um, I was talking to Terry Butler um, yeah. literally three or four days ago. Um, and he was saying they're just having to they're having to use the time to go. Right. Fuck it. Let's write another album. Yeah. Well, that's another thing that's going to I mean, you might actually have benefit by having your album kind of out before all of this i know what you mean and, and, yeah you know and because uh my steve my singer was was over steve was over here at my house last night we were talking about you know what are we going to do and, and you know the negatives and positives of, of, of everything everybody every band is writing an album every single one yeah because yeah what else can they do yeah so you know, we write an album, A, you know, we have to get it on a record label. On a record label, my thought would be like, well, we have, you know, bigger bands giving us material. We're, we're putting out a whole bunch of stuff next year. You know, why would we even care what Demolition Hammer does? And then if we find a record label to do that, um, then look at our level of competition. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's you think to yourself, well, you know, we can put it out and you know see what happens. But now we're already up against you know every other band, and you know the same thing kind of goes like that with uh, with gigs, you know, because you know it, it's going to be a, a, a sort of a buyer's market because there's so many bands are, who make their living playing music, they want to get money now, so they're going to want to do any gig they could get. And the promoters are going to know that, and they're going to lowball the bands. They're going to be like, fine. But then the promoters also have to lowball the bands because they don't know what restrictions are going to be put in place, you know, to go to a show. You know, their, their governments or their cities might say, fine, you can have a show, but only fifty percent of your capacity, which yeah. means fifty percent less money. So, it, but but it's also a really but, crazy time. You know? Well, also we've got we've got. Um... A lot, well, basically, you know, our kind of events are the last things that are going to be allowed to happen. Um, yeah. I don't see sporting events being fully attended again until there's a vaccine. Yeah. Um, and uh, also, I saw a I saw a Ticketmaster survey 
um, and it was an industry survey, and they 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 took a poll of four thousand of their customers, and it came back that forty percent of them wouldn't be attending a show until they had been vaccinated. Jeez. So now, obviously, you know, we we don't know who those four thousand people were, but ultimately, yeah, there are still because the, the, the other things that the other things we've got to contend with, other than that the events are going to be the last thing that's allowed is some people aren't going to want to go because the virus and some people aren't going to be able to go because they've been stuck in lockdown losing shitloads of money yeah exactly and that's another thing i mean that's shows and with albums you know if you only have x amount of money and and you know 10 of your favorite bands pull out new albums you're gonna go get a demolition hammer album out Probably not, you know, so... (laughs) Don't don't put yourself down, Derek. (laughs) It's a weird time, and, and, you know, like I said, I, you know, I'm knocking on wood here. We're fortunate because this isn't our, our, you know, main source of income, but for bands that it is, it's tough, and and it's just, you know... Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Now, look, Derek, I'm really conscious. I'm really conscious since you told me at the beginning that you're um, uh, that uh, you're holding up the family day out. So, look, I've got an idea. We've pretty much talked about like you know modern times right now. Why don't we call it and call that part one? And why don't we pick up next weekend, same time, same place, and do part two? That works out nicely. Um, Yeah. Yeah, we could do that. I'll try to do it a little bit earlier because I know uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know how yours. No, that that's absolutely fine. That, no, that's absolutely fine. You name a time, mate, and and we'll do uh-huh. it next Sunday. What's uh What's the latest time you could do it? Because I mean, I could do it during the week. Like you know, I mean, it's like six o'clock, seven o'clock my time, but that's like midnight your time. I don't know. If yeah, yeah. No, like, to be honest, man, I've got loads. I've got loads of interviews in the can at the moment, and I'm getting them out quickly. Yeah. So you know, uh, uh, same time next week is cool with me. All right, so we'll do with that. Yeah. Well, look, if you want to bring it forward a bit if to free up your day, because I realise 2 o'clock is about, you know, if you want to free it up and do it like midday your time, whatever, that's cool. All right, then, thanks. I'll, I will give you, I will uh, shoot you a text yeah. uh, during the week. Maybe we, and, you know, we'll, we'll definitely show up at time. I appreciate it, man. Oh. I, I appreciate you uh, looking out for my family like that. <laughs> my wife has given me the stink eye. <laughs> uh, you know, no, no, no worries. Yeah, I can feel it, bud. I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Okay, go and give him the good news, and we'll speak next week. Have a great day. All right, you too, man. Thanks. Cheers, man. See you later. Bye, bye. See, I'm not a cunt. <laughs> or am I? Let's find out in part two. Hey, man, how you doing? Yeah, good, man. Good. How are you? I'm okay, man. Sorry for the delay before. I mean, I'm uh, trying to do a few things at once, and I'm. Yeah. I always get behind when I do that. I guess I, I'm not capable of it. <laughs> I know I know what's going on here. I showed a sign of weakness to you last week, you know, and, and you've just you've you've ridden roughshod all over me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's quite the sign of weakness. Hold on a second. I'm doing two things at once again, and I can't do it. Hold on. Let me, let me isolate myself from all the craziness around here. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Cool. So, um, so what have you been up to? Are you all, are you all still locked down tight there, or you know how's it um, how's it shaping up? Um, it's it's loosening up a lot. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's probably about uh, maybe about uh, you know twenty percent of what it was. It's it's quite like today we're going, and that's kind of why I was late. You know, the kids have actually a birthday party, which 
you know, they haven't gone to in months. So I was trying to get the kids ready for that. Right. Okay. Well, look, you, you can always be late for all right, late because of a kids' party. That's that's you know that's the law, isn't it? Really. Oh, lost you. Honest, I listened to the comedy stuff more because it was cracking me up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, look, stop! I, I, do you know what? I, we, um, you broke up then, and I just and and you came uh-huh. back, and the only thing I heard was, uh-huh. um, I was, um, I was watching the comedy stuff more. So, I, sorry, yeah. but missed missed what you were saying. Right, hold on, let me move a little closer to my router. Maybe I'm cutting up a bit here. Um, yeah, I was listening to the comedy stuff more. Mate. It's hysterical. I, oh, I think right. it's pretty funny. Oh, thank I think you. The character's great. It's awesome. <laughs> oh, cheers, man! Thank you very much. That's really cool. That's re- it's like I, I know what you mean though. When if you've got if you've got a choice of like you know somebody sent you some stuff and you've got a choice of like music or something else to listen to, invariably <laughs> I'll go for the something else as well because it's like you know yeah I, yeah I love music and everything but you know there's there's so much of it. It's always interesting to try something else. Yeah, and especially being, I think, a musician, it's like, okay, you know, when when you listen to music as a musician, you like it, and but you, you have a tendency, okay, to just to sort of dissect it in your head, you know, because that's kind of what you do. But when, you know, I'm not a comedian by any means, you know, except for when I don't mean to be, and that's the worst part. But, uh, um, you know, when when you, you're listening to comedy, it's something that you just enjoy because it makes you laugh. There's no, you know, trying to dissect it and figure it out and, and understand what you're it's just it's just simple funny and from my you know from my you know layman uh, audience member type and so I, I just I gravitate to that and I think it's I think you're pretty funny man it's pretty good <laughs> thank you very much mate thank you oh, that's, that's really good funnily enough this is probably the most this is probably the most I've spoken about stand up with with a guest um, in the during the entire five years that I've done the um, <laughs> done the podcast um, but you're the first person to ever uh, ask to like you know to to sort of see a link or something like that and then and then actually follow you know follow through on it as well so um that's really cool thanks man it's um no problem keep being funny hopefully you know you get bigger and bigger and yeah come over well over here and you know make people laugh well unfortunately given um given what's going on with the um horrendous um uh you know comedy scene at the moment it's it's unreal. It really is. Oh yeah. It's yeah. Just, I mean, yeah. I, I guess I like I said. It's you know, from my point standpoint, I'm not part of it. I'm just a, your standard everyday audience member. So, you know, I, I don't really go to a lot of stand up places, or, or I just I know you know the classics, the big guys, and I you know, I mean, as a kid, man, I, I you know just going to sleep when I was like uh, you know seven eight years old, I used to listen to Bill Cosby records. And this is you know. This is before the world knew he was kind of rapey. You know, this is just, you know, the funny Bill Cosby. Yes, um, yeah. And, you know, that used to crack me up. I used to listen to, you know, and then all these comedians that came out, Eddie Murphy, forget it, it was cracking me up. I uh, I saw Dave Chappelle when I was, you know, younger. Um, you know, all these guys, uh, just, you know, Ronnie Dangerfield, he used to do this thing on HBO where he'd sort of introduce uh, comics and I'd always watch it every time and, and you know, I that's where I saw Sam Kinison and, you know, just all these guys. So I, I from like I said, from a fan of, of laughing, I really do like stand up comedy. Yes. And, you know? 
Yeah. No, so, and, and I, seeing I, all the ones that I've watched and then watching you up there, I mean, you're very comfortable. It's not like, you know, it's, it's not like you're trying to find your guy. It's like, I don't know. It's just, it cracked me up. Looked like you've been doing it for years and years and years and made me laugh. So, Oh, that's, that, that's that, that's really cool man thank you very much um it's it to be honest it's more a case of um well you you were you were right there i mean i have been doing it a long time and i am and i am comfortable up there um and and that is that really really is the key to um to stand up is that is that just feeling completely comfortable and at home up there right you know because that means that you you do actually um, uh, kind of you, you're gonna you, if you're not comfortable up there you can't be funny. Yeah, yeah, you can't, and I would think the audience would know it. You know, I mean, I've seen comedy shows where you know where comedians bomb and then they start to sweat, and you're like, oh boy, you know, you just know it, and uh, and, so, and then they're never comfortable for the rest of the of the set, even if they do something funny. But like I said, you have that comfortable, you know, feeling up there, and, and it it comes across, and I think the audience got it too. So I, I liked it; it's good. Oh, that's cool, man. I could, uh, I, yeah, I, could, I, I could, I could talk with you about this for for hours, but uh, I better not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could talk too, because like I said, you know, I love music. I've talked music my whole life, but you know, comedy and, and like now, I, the only movies I watch are like comedies and and sci-fi. I mean, that's kind of it. Uh, you know, there's all my friends like, oh, did you watch The Sopranos? Never saw The Sopranos. I've never seen The Godfather, uh, just because um, there's nothing funny in it. I mean, it, there probably is for me, but everyone else will look at me like I'm deranged if I start laughing when this guy gets shot in the eye. You know, <laughs> so uh, I uh, I uh, don't watch that. But it's yeah, I, I love all that stuff and all that British comedy. You know, I remember watching Benny Hill when I was a kid. You know, Bloody hell, yeah, right. And, uh, you know, there's just so many good things. And then MTV here started playing the young ones. And, you know, that introduced, well, of course, there was Monty Python, the young ones. You know, I mean, you know, and then just a lot of, like, something I discovered recently, the IT crowd. I mean, I know it's older for you, but, you know, for me, I just discovered it uh, maybe about two years ago. And I'm like, oh, that is hysterical. So a lot of good stuff from England. And I just love that British humor. Oh, that's cool, man. That's That's really cool. Um, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I, funnily enough, a lot of my, um, a lot of my, um, you know, comedy influences, um, mm-hmm. initially were from the States. And I've got to say the, the, really? yeah, yeah. I'm probably the most single influential, um, uh, comedian that, that I've seen, um, mm-hmm. on my, on my sort of will to do comedy was, um, uh, Robin Williams. That guy was amazing. Yeah, wasn't always he? on, always yeah. on. Yeah, he could. I mean, I've heard stories, and I've seen a documentary of him recently. He, you know, he, musicians, you know, you have to improvise sometimes. Sometimes you just, you know, you're up there, you're playing, and uh, you know, you're like, ah, I'm just gonna improvise. And you know, we could do it, I, I suppose, to an extent. Some are much better than others, uh, but Robin Williams, his ability to improvise, to just turn on in a, in a second was, I, I think that's what, this is what all the other comedians said. It's, it's just nothing like they've ever seen. And he's funny every time, all the time. Yeah. And he's so diverse, such a great talent, you know, that he was. Oh, he was amazing. And, and, and the thing is, the, the, re, the reason he got, um, 
uh, that well the re- the reason he he took his own life was it wasn't just the fact that well he'd been diagnosed with Parkinson's and then he got diagnosed with dementia on top of it. Yeah. Um. And and given who he was, you know, and and how he rolled, then you kind of think, well, yeah, sort of, I get it. Yeah. You know, as as horrible as, yeah. as 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 that is to say, but. Oh yeah. Well, you know. Uh, <laughs> Let's, but you let's... know what? It's it, from from a, a weird standpoint. You know, uh, my my father has Alzheimer's, and my mother had dementia before she passed. And it's a very, I mean, it's a terrible, terrible disease. And it, you know, just Alzheimer's and, and dementia on its own. But it, and this is gonna sound weird, but it, it would have been interesting to see what comes out of Robin Williams' head when he can't control it. <laughs> I know you what know? you mean. Yeah. <laughs> It would have been interesting. Would it have been funny? Would it have been sad? Would it have been, you know, just imagine he's in a hospital and a nurse comes in and he starts giving her, you know, his order for lunch because she looks like a waitress or something. You know, who knows what would have happened? Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's wrong and it's it's macabre thinking, but I don't know. Well, That's where my brain goes. <laughs> well, it's it's what um, it's what Jay Leno always said about um, about Bill Hicks that if you know if he'd uh-huh. still been around, Bill as an old man, sort of grouching about the state of comedy and everything else would have been would have been absolutely amazing. But um, <laughs> unfortunately, you know the um, yeah yeah the best ones um, don't don't live long. Unfortunately, uh, well actually, no. Robin Williams put in put in the hours, didn't he? Um, oh yeah, yeah, he has been around forever and. Then... You know, it's, it was, he was in the 60s, right? When he passed, maybe 62, 63. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But, yeah. um, well, anyway, look, en- enough of comedy and me and everyone <laughs> right. else. That's, that's okay. a different podcast. Right? Yeah, yeah, that is a different <laughs> podcast, yeah. Well, um, uh, well, funnily enough, I did one, um, uh, I did a podcast, uh, I did a podcast with Jimmy DeGrasso and we got on really well and I said to him, look, do you want to, do you want to come on and do my movie podcast as well? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I love movies. So I was like, oh, great. So anyway, I'm just going to have to do it as a two-part podcast on the main podcast because we like we tried to talk about movies, but then we just kept drifting off back onto like you know all all the subjects that you sort of you know that we both sort of just felt like talking about. So you know, just wandered off talking about anything. Um, but um, anyway, um, I'm interested. Uh, you know, going back to the old days. Um, it took you guys quite a while to get your first release out, didn't it? Um, not really that long. I mean, the band had some some history there. I mean, the the first performance of the band. Um, uh, well, I'll just I'll go with the history. The band I think started in like 1986. So uh, it was James and Steve who remained in the band the whole time, and and there was another drummer by the name of John Salerno, and. Um, they, uh, you know, they put out that first demo, I think, in 86 or 87. And uh, and then Serrano, who was not really into this type of music, he kind of left. And then they got Vinny and they got myself uh, in the band. And then by, in like 1989, we put out a demo. And then by you know, 1990, uh, we were signed. So it, it was relatively quick when I joined the band. You know, within you know, a year and a half, we, we were recording an album. Right. Um, so that was kind of cool, but it was, you know, there's, there was a real early days. We played a lot of shows around here. There used to be a, a club. I grew up in, in a place called New Rochelle, which is borders the Bronx. Uh, and the rest of the guys grew up in the Bronx and, uh, there was a really cool club called streets and it's a little hole in the wall, but for whatever reason, every great band played there. Like 
you know, when I was in my, my late teens. So this music, you know, there was always a place to play this type of music. And, and you know, like Creator played there and, and, and uh, just all these underground bands, Sodom. Believe played there. That's that is really uh, that's really Cora, cool. Suicidal that, tendencies. That is really Pantera. Cool. As a matter of fact, Pantera. I, I met those. I toured with those guys a little later on in life. But um, first time I ever saw Pantera was at this club in Streets, called Streets, uh, opening up for Toxic. You've heard of Toxic? Yeah, you know yeah. Those guys. Yeah. Uh, they were opening up for Toxic. Nobody knew who the hell they were, and you know, I. This is when they first. This was during their power metal uh, tape, uh, you know, days right. their album, and I saw him play. And I was like, "Holy crap!" Just looking at Dime play. I mean, he's, he's, you know, they got the strobe light in the middle of the, you know, the dual strobe lights in the middle of the drums, you know, like Voivod used to do. So I loved that, and um, and just watching Dime play, I was like, "Holy crap!" And then I remember after the show, I went to uh, to Vinny, and I said, "You know, man, let me let me buy because they weren't signed, you know, to a real day to." a real label. They were signed to whatever uh, label. I think they were putting them out independently at that time. And he's like, here, man, you know, I could, uh, uh, this is this is the tape here. We, we don't really sound like this uh, anymore, but this is what we got, so I bought it from him. And I listened to it, and I was like, oh, well, it doesn't sound like what they sound like when I seen them. And then, you know, so I just put it away. But years later, when I got to tour with Fantara and I got to know those guys a little better, I went to Vinny. I'm like, Vinny, you know, I saw you guys play in uh, New Rochelle in Intermediate Streets. I'm like, yeah, man, I bought your tape. And he's like, oh, man, you bought that thing? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, where is it now? And I said, ah, Charles Benante stole it from me. But, you know, <laughs> I did listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> so Char- Charlie nicked it, did he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, dear. Um, that's awesome, man. I mean, it's, it's crucial to have those venues as well, isn't it? It's crucial to have that... To yeah. be able to see these bands and to and 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 you know to know it's kind of like right okay so this is like I've got a band from Brazil you know playing around the corner yeah. for me this you know th- th- this is real this can happen yeah and, and that's why it's very influential you know these these little hot spots of where these at least in the states I, I don't know how it worked in Europe so much but in the states these hot spots of where death metal and thrash metal and, and all these underground sites it's there was because there was places to play I mean. You know, San Francisco had, you know, the Stone and the Omni, and, and those were great places. And, and, you know, New York, I mean, you, we had Lemoore's, we had Lemoore's East, we had Streets. I mean, there's so many great, great places. And this kind of helped these early bands play. And, you know, we saw all the bands play. I've seen Biohazard play a million times. I saw, you know, all these bands play. And, and that really, I think, helps the genre, and it, it helps have these sort of hotbeds of this type of music in these towns like San Francisco and New York, uh, you know, Tampa and Florida. So those, all those death metal bands, but because they had that place to play. And I can't remember the name of the club, but there was a club down there where they all used to play. And, uh, you know, that's where it starts. So it's, it's pretty cool. And that's why, you know, back to your question, the early days for me, when I joined, it was fast, you know, till we got some recognitions because we just played our ass off everywhere and anywhere all around the tri-state area. You know, we would just play every weekend. We were playing. That's cool, man. I mean, I, what what I meant with by being a, a bit late is that sort of nineteen ninety for your first album as a thrash band. Oh, gotcha. Sorry uh, about that. No, 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 not at all. I did. I didn't make myself clear. And plus, you got to get into the you know the workings of uh, of of those sort of four years before. But um, 
Yeah, I mean it's um, it, it, it's not great timing, is it? <laughs> no. Well, no. As far as getting a little bit into the into the game late, yeah. I mean, there was there was other things involved, other bands involved, but you know, we came in late uh, for sure. Um, but we were, you know, we we listened to all the bands that that were out, and we liked that kind of music. And that those bands that were out is what made us like this type of music. So. You know, we were a product of, I guess, you know, the second generation of this type of music, I guess. So, you know, we were late to the game that way. Uh, and, and I think that hurt us, obviously. I mean, I think any band, you know, if you, if you get out sooner, uh, a couple of years sooner, you have, you know, especially in an emerging type of music that it was at the time, you know, you, you, there's less competition in that in that genre. And, and so, coming, you know, getting into it as late as we did, you know, we had... You know, not a lot of popularity. We just kind of, you know, were able to do the things that we wanted to do. So I think that hurt us. But you know, we're we're not we're not bitter over that or anything like that. It's, it's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and it's almost, but also, it does, none of it matters now. Yeah, now none of it matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like you know, you you were you were in one of those. You you were in that rare. Um, group of bands that was able to get a deal yeah so we you you we 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 were both legitimized by record companies do you know what i mean yeah yeah you know so we yeah i'm sorry go ahead no 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 you go on go on yeah back then it was really weird i mean i you know europe i think you guys had more more labels around but in america there was like two or three you know you had Road at the time it was Road Racer, which became Road Runner. Uh, there was yeah. Combat, and there was Metal Blade, and that was kind of it. Um, and you know the Metal Blade guys, they kind of stuck to the you know the the ones that that guy Brian. I think he kind of knew everybody, uh, the bands that he signed. I think uh, so. We you know Century Media, who is who we signed to. So the story there is we actually had a record deal uh, offer by by Road Racer Records. Or you know who would become road. We they they offered us a deal, and then Century Media came in, this new label out out of Germany, yeah. And they said we want to sign you, and so we had two labels that were interested. And you know, common sense would say, well, go with the bigger label. You know, that was would make sense. But we you know we don't have common sense. So what we did <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> which actually turned out to be a good deal. So. We t- we thought to ourselves, well, you know, Road Racer, they're, they're signing so many bands, and you know, their their philosophy was just sign everything, throw it on the wall, and let's see what sticks. And um, they, you know, they were just signing all these bands, and not really giving them a lot of support, just trying to see which ones, you know, the music just sort of sold the band. And then you had Century Media, who was like, look, we're a starting label, we've got some money behind us, um, we'll sign you, we'll put you on the road, uh, which Road Runners said they, you know, they wouldn't do. So we're like, well, you know what? Let's just go with the new label. That's gonna, we're, you know, we're gonna try to get as much out of this as we can for our own sake, not necessarily to try to be popular, just because we want to tour, we want to have opportunities to do things, just because we like doing it. For you know, not because we were, you know, we thought we were gonna be the Beatles or something like that. So um, we went with with uh, Century Media, and we were actually the second American band they signed. Uh, the first band, American band they signed was. Um, Iced Earth, and they only did that like two weeks before they signed us. So it was kind of cool, um, record label wise. And then they they followed through on what they said they were going to do. You know, they we went on tour with Obituary, 
um, you know, later that month or later that year. Greatest time ever, um, you know. And yeah, I'm not surprised. They, yeah, and they pushed it the way that they, that, you know, to the best of their ability of pushing the album. And you know, it wasn't wildly successful. But again, like you said, none of that matters now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's um, and and it's kind of weird, isn't it? You go, you know, you go away. And so actually, just to I'm. I'm I've run away from another question I wanted to ask. So we were we were pretty much we were kind of um I think well our first album was 88. So we were kind of second wave maybe. I mean right. for UK wide we were first wave, but like sort of when you think of the old waves. Um would so yeah. would that have made you I mean you'd have been like third or fourth wave with a with like an album out in the 90 in 90 but but then again I, I presume you were also like really well known on the scene because you've been around for years. Yeah, I mean it, 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 yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I don't know, you know, I couldn't tell you what years the waves were and I'm sure they were different, you know, before the internet um in different countries because everything was an import, you know, they don't have imports now and everything you know, I, if you put something out today, I hear it tomorrow. Um, but you know, here in, in America, it's, it's, you know, um, yeah, I mean, we were around from, from, you know, the late eighties, which is, you know, right when this type of music started exploding, you know, I mean, Slayer was already big and, you know, the Anthrax and Metallica was already huge. So, you know, it was because of those bands that we did what we did, like Exodus and, and all those bands. So, you know, 90s, like you said, it, it's kind of a little bit late coming to the game. There's not a lot of bands that came after us, you know, within those, those first couple of years after us, because everything changed after that. But, um, you know, like I said, I think we kind of snuck one under there. We, we just got under the, the gate in time to, to be a little bit, you know, relevant in what we were trying to do. Yeah, you and I, 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 presumably... It, it, was, was there any was there any time where you were? I mean, I know you could sort of got assigned when you were, you know, when you'd only been in the band eighteen months. But presumably, when you were coming to the band, you were like, right, you know, how come, you know, how come we're kind of, you know, we haven't got something out? Because you must have been coming to it having seen the band, you know, around, and thinking, well, let's get this moving. Well, no, there, there really wasn't much of an around. You know, like I said, I joined in eighty eight. They're, you know, they're. At, their uh, demo um, came out in you know '87, so but they weren't playing a lot of gigs. They were you know they were just having these sort of uh, personnel issues. So really, they only played one gig before I joined the band in those two years. But the demo was getting a lot of play, so I, I would hear that on the radio. And you know I knew the guys because uh, friends of mine were in a band. And they practiced in a room right next door to the to James, you know, to Demolition Hammer. So I kind of knew who they were, and I would listen to them all the time practicing. You know, I was like, wow, they're really good. So, uh, but it's, you know, I was young. You know, I was eighteen when I joined. So I was just happy to be playing the type of music that I liked to play. And you know, that that's kind of one cool thing about the band, and still to this day, and it kind of hurts us more than anything else. As we just do it for the fun of doing it, you know, the whole business part, trying to promote ourselves and, you know, making a business out of it. We suck at all that. We just like to play the song, play live shows, and enjoy. It. And everything we do, we kind of do for our own enjoyment. And if people like it, great. If people don't like it, oh, great. I'm sorry, you know, you don't have to go. But, you know, we just do it for ourselves. That's why this sort of rebirth to us is absolutely amazing um, because. 
you know, the, the, the people that like us, it's great. I'm glad we get to play in front of them. I will gladly play, you know, anywhere, anytime. But the enjoyment we get is just we're able to do this again. You know, we kind of relive our childhoods, uh, per se. Um, and just, just we have such a great time. And, uh, you know, that's kind of why we do it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's coming coming back. Um, it's it's kind of it's it's almost a, it's a bit of a shock, isn't it? Really, that um, it, it's like oh, wow, this is some. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, did you? I mean, I'm not sure. Was that your? Was that? Did you get over to the UK and Europe? I know we had that conversation. We had the, the chat last week, and I'm I, I'm trying to remember if you were if you had done Europe or not. Oh, you mean in the early days? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We played Europe a bunch of times. We toured, uh, we toured with Bitchory and Morgoth in like '90. We toured with Dark Angel over there. Uh, we toured with Massacre and Grave. Uh, I think we did one other, a couple of other shows over there, for, like random shows. But yeah, we played, uh, we played England, uh, UK. We we played all over UK. Uh, um, some some great. We played uh, Marquee with uh, with um, with Cronus. It was funny, you know. Wow, he's a he's he's a funny guy. So back then, uh, I'll tell you that little story. Um, so back then, my my drummer was a huge Venom fan. You know, he used to wear this shirt all the time that had a picture of Kronos with his hair parted right down the middle, and he's just got this agonizing look on his face. And underneath it, it just said sort of just nightmare, just scream, you know, across the bottom. So my drummer, he was a pretty funny guy. And he always used to, you know, goof on that that shirt. And not a goof. It was more of like, you know, he was just loving that shirt. So he'd take his hair, he'd part, he'd put his hands on his head, pulling his hair flat down and part in the middle. He'd crouch over and he would just scream real loud, nightmare. It was kind of a joke that he would do all all the time. He was a real funny guy. So when we were playing that show uh, with Cronus at the Marquee in London, uh, we were like, all right. Because at the time, Cronus was a big, huge guy, you know, and we didn't know him, and we didn't know what to expect. And uh, so we, you know, we met him. We went to our brother Vinny, and I said, Vinny, look, do not do your nightmare thing to the guy because he might punch you and knock your head right off. So don't do it. You know, just take it easy. Let's let's feel the guy out a little bit. So Vinny's like, yeah, 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 I won't do it. I won't do it. So we're there, and he walks in, and we say hi. And the first thing Vinny does is turn to the guy, pull his hair down, and go, nightmare! You know, and we're, we're looking at each other like, oh, shit, he's dead. But uh, Cronus <laughs> laughed. He was like, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it, it's, uh, it sounds like you had, um, despite sort of coming to, to things kind of late in the game, it wasn't, um, it wasn't, it, it didn't hold you back that much. You still got to put albums out, tour, and still, you know, and 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 leave a legacy that, of course, you're not aware of at the time. But you know, no. has that has that yeah. surprised you coming back? The actual, you know, the the legacy, as it were, as opposed to just like, oh wow, this is great. You know, people are still interested. It's like people have actually kind of studied your music and been right into your band, whilst you know you've been off doing other things for twenty years. Yeah, well, I mean, the first question. You know, people come, well, you know, when we play shows, you know, these young kids or, you know, whatever, they, they come up and say, oh, man, the band's great. I mean, I've loved all your music. And the first thing I say to them was like, where were you 25 years ago, man? We could have had different lives, you know. But uh, it, it is crazy uh, that that's what has happened. And, and we're blessed for that because none of us ever expected it at all. 
you know, as a matter of fact, we fought it a little bit. You know, I, I you know, Steve and James, uh, they're, they're older than I am. And so they, you know, they've got kids and, and you know, older kids. And then they just kind of sit to themselves. They don't, uh, they're not on the Internet. They're not watching all the stuff that I watch. But for me, you know, I'm I'm out there and, and, you know, I don't hide that I was in Demolition Hammer or nothing. So people would find me and they'd contact me. And, and you know, over time, it wasn't just like one or two a month. It was like, you know, one or two a week to one or two a day. And then I was just getting, wow, this is kind of nuts. And I, I floated this idea to Steve. I'm like, Steve, you know, there's a lot of people that keep like, contacting me saying that, you know, they're they're into the band. And like, Steve and I stayed close the whole time. Uh, he was like the best man at my wedding, the whole thing. So, you know, I was like, we could probably play some shows or do something. And he's like, nah, nah, I don't want to do it. I'm, you know, I'm done with that. You know, we all, he had short hair and he was just like, he was into his own business. And he's like, I just don't want to do it. And then just more and more people started calling and calling. And, and then, you know, we, we went to a show where uh, a friend's band, a band called Solstice, really great uh, thrash metal band out of, uh, out of Florida. And they got back together and they did a show and they played one of our songs and the crowd went nuts, you know? And then Steve was like, Holy crap. I, he looked at me on the ride home. He's like, you know, Derek, I, I thought you were just bullshitting me, you know, about all these people. I go, dude, I told you. And he's like, well, maybe we should check it out. So that's kind of how we started getting back together, you know, but it, it is nuts that, you know, uh, we're able to do this now and people care now. And, I, uh, I, people I, I, cared the whole time. I, I I'm think sure that's, you feel the same way. Yeah, no, I do feel the same way, and I think it's amazing that um, that you had that that you had that experience. That it was literally, it was people, um, it was people at other, you, you know, being at another gig, hearing hearing you know an audience react to your band songs. Um, that yeah. that you know, it took that to convince him. You know what I mean? It's like wow, yeah, that's incredible. Well, I mean, again, that explains why we're kind of late in the game. You know, we just kind of do things at our own pace. I mean, you know, we don't even have an album out. We've been back together for four years. You know, at this point, we should have had two albums out if if we were, you know, that sort of motivated type of guys. And we'll probably, put, you know, we'll get an album out at some point. And then that's, that, too, might be late in the game of, of, you know, having a band trying to come back. But that's what I mean. We just kind of do the things at the pace and the way that we want to do them. And that probably hurts us more than helps us, but that's just the way we do it. Well, I mean, now more than ever, especially with obviously what we're going through at the moment, um, we have to be, you know, everybody has to do what's best for them. And that's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Really? You know, there's, there's, there's utterly, you know, we're, we're all, every band is in its own unique situation. God knows, you know, what we've, you know, what we've got in front of us. So you've just got to kind of, you know, roll with the punches at the moment, I guess, is the, is the phrase that springs to mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows what the future's going to bring. But, I, I mean, I know you were telling me last week, record label's ready to go, you got the album out, and then all of a sudden this shit hits, they drop you, and, you know, now you're like, ah, oh, what the hell? So what are you guys going to do? Yeah. Well, I think I'm... Uh, you kind of, kind of don't want to um, uh, be one of those bands who's releasing an, a, a post-lockdown album. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, it's I, I'm still, you know, kind of determined to act, to tour the album that, you know, was our first for 29 years. Um, you know, it'd, yeah. be, it'd be quite nice to actually fucking tour that rather than be working on some new stuff, you know. Um, yeah. And and that really is my, you know, that's my, that's my main, my main thing is, let, we, you know, we want to get some, we want to get some, some, some shows played. We want to get to as many countries as possible. Um, and and you know and and tour this album because it's been a long time in the making and it's just yeah it's incredibly frustrating but you know what do you, you know what are you going to do it's we're all in the same boat unfortunately we've just got to live with it yeah yeah and but you know you you're at a little bit of an advantage because you know we have enough material I think you know ready to do an album you know we just got to get a label to put it out and then actually do it but. You know, during this lockdown, that's what every band is doing. So the idea here from our standpoint is, and I think I talked about this last week, you know, the amount of competition we're going to be up against, you know, when we put out our album, it's going to get, you know, lost pretty much in, in, you know, the new Death Angel album, the new, you know, Sepultura. Everyone's putting out an album. So, you know, we're going to, you know, we're low men on the totem pole here. So I'm sure we'll get lost. The people that like us will, will... by the album but we're not going to get any bigger i would i wouldn't think but you know you're got the advantage because you've already got your album it's already there you know true um, true you know you could be you should be spending this time pushing the hell out of it even if it's even if you're not going to make any money in this in this genre putting out albums especially these days you know everyone just downloads shits for free so you know, don't expect it to me i would just put put it out free everywhere and just get a name for yourself so at least when they do open up touring you know in theory you, you know your the fans of your band will like they'll know it and they'll you'll go somewhere and people will be you know excited to see you, you you've got that jump on everybody else you know well hopefully i'll tell you what you know I was, um I, I i wasn't feeling that good about it but since since you've done this little um this little peppy chat for me. I feel like I feel all motivated now. I want to get. I want, I want to get out there. And, I want to get out there and touring now. What have you done to me, you bastard? Yeah. <laughs> Dear me. Um, well, man. I, look, if it, the, the sooner you guys get back in the studio and recording, that the, the better. I mean, there's there's a there's a. I, I, you know, I still think that you're underestimating how um, anticipated uh, a new demolition al- hammer album would be. Definitely. Because I, and no oh, offense, to, no offense, no offense to any of the bands you mentioned, but they are all putting out, you know, almost like inverted commas another album, whereas you know yours, I would imagine there's going to be there'd be a lot more fanfare about it, given the the you know the length of time it is since your last one. So I still, I, I still, to be honest, I think I think this whole the pandemic and everything and the and the, and the glut of stuff coming out. I don't, to yeah, I'm I'm now doing for you what you did to me. Okay, <laughs> I'm now doing I'm, I'm now doing your uh, rousing speech. So I yeah. So therefore, <laughs> therefore I think you you guys can go well. Look, you know this this album wasn't written, written in lockdown. This album's been twenty years in the making. You got to do this rousing speech like Winston Churchill. Otherwise, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you will write those riffs. You will put that on together. You will play main stage European festivals. <laughs> uh, 
Oh man, well look, Derek, it's been um, it's been an absolute pleasure over the uh, the last couple of weekends to, to have a chat. I really hope we get um, you get your asses over here at some point and um, uh, and get that album out. But more importantly, you know, all stay safe. That's the main thing. Yeah, you too, man. And you know, thanks for for having me on the podcast. Uh, I appreciate it. No, it's thanks been for a pleasure, caring man. about my uh, you know crazy little band here. Uh, I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that as well. And it was good seeing you uh, up in Scotland. And, um, yeah. you know, next time we see, hopefully I won't be as drunk as that was bad. <laughs> oh, uh, man, I'll so. tell you, I, I tell you what, it, 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 it was, it was, um, it was great. It was great meeting you. And it's not often that you like, you know, when men of our age, it's not often that you meet somebody <laughs> for the first time and you're kind of pretty much lit already and on your way to being on fire, let's face it. Um, and, um, uh, and, and, and that was, it was one of those things. It really was. It kind of took me back, you know, cause I was like, you know, it just, you know, meeting lots of fun people backstage pissed up. It was like, yeah, wow. It's quite a, quite a while since I've done this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that, that was, you know, that's kind of one of the cool things about, uh, uh, doing this is, you know, I, 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 back in the day, I never really drank or anything or did any of that stuff. So, um, now, for some reason, I, I drink all the time, which is terrible. Um, so when I, you know, when I go on these uh, play these gigs once in a while, I might have too much, which I have to stop doing because I'll be dead if I keep doing that. But um, that was one of those notorious nights where I, I had a little too much. Well, and, uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's the <laughs> it's it's yeah, for, for someone who's never experienced it, it's it's very difficult because it's like you come off stage, there is a shitload of adrenaline in your system, and what you should be doing yeah. is 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 sitting down in the corner and just chilling out, let the adrenaline calm down, your heart rate go down, and just let everything. Chill. But no, what you want is a beer. You've got people coming up to you saying, "How's it going? Oh, that was brilliant. That was great." You got and all of us and, and it's like you you know you've got lots of people wanting this wanting that and 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 you don't get a chance to have that breath to calm down and then someone sticks a beer in your hand and blow it. and before you know it if you're not careful you can end up in the state that we ended up in Glasgow yeah yeah <laughs> that's pretty much what happened you know for us when we you know we don't tour we just play these uh you know these one off shows and and. We always, you know, we fly in. Uh, if we play on a Saturday, we'll fly in on on Thursday or actually Friday morning. Um, you know, by the time we get to Europe, and then we're, you know, then we just kind of hang out a day, and then we play the show, and then we go home the next day. So my time clock is all screwed up, and just in general, you know, for for those forty eight hours that we're there, and then we get on the plane, and then you know, sometimes I eat, sometimes I forget to eat, and that was one of those things where that all days were, were, were everything lined up poorly for me <laughs> and, and I just had like I didn't even drink that much I had like three or four little drinks and then forget it it just boom and yeah. I was a mess well I, I should say that I, I'm sure I had more than three or four drinks but to get to the point where I was crazy I had three or four drinks and then anything after that was just a mess <laughs> <laughs> well at least you had the excuse of having done a gig I don't know what my excuse was um, so um, so anyway look Derek it's been an absolute pleasure look after yourself man and um, uh, look, I'll see you somewhere out there on the road oh one more thing I forgot yeah. when you, you know, I, I mentioned the bands that we toured with we toured with uh, 
Dark Angel and Reanimator, our buddies in Reanimator, and those Bloody guys were, were really yes. cool. Like, I, I can't believe I, I did not mention them, and I apologize to them if they hear this because oh man, that the, was, those guys were awesome. And now, Derek, they they will, and I've and I'd forgotten as well because of course um, John came up, wasn't he? John was there. Yeah, yeah, John was there. Again, we were very drunk. We only remember bits and pieces, but John was there. <laughs> That was amazing. Oh fuck me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So which tour was that that you that you that you were? Was it so? It was Re- you, Reanimator. Who else was on it? So it was Dark Angel, Reanimator, and us. And uh, it was supposed to be Mordred, but they dropped off at the like literally at the last minute. I think it was uh, like maybe two weeks before the tour, and so uh, we got on it. And so it was. It was uh, Reanimator, us, and, and Dark Angel, and it wasn't a very long tour. I think it was like two or three weeks, but uh, it was good times. I mean, those guys were really cool. We would, you know, we watched them every night, um, you know. And I think at the end of the at the end of the tour, we all got up on stage and played some songs with Dark Angel. So everybody got along really well, um, you know. In those early days, all those tours, all those bands that we toured with. Everybody was cool, and we tried to maintain as much of those relationships as we could. But it was great to see John, and I didn't know he was coming. He said, he just walked up to me, and I'm like, holy crap, <laughs> look at you. And he doesn't even look that much older. I don't get it. But still, it was great to see him. Oh, man, well, look, I'm, I mean, long story short, and I, I don't know if you know this, but basically we, we got Reanimator signed. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, they, they supported us. We thought they were great. We gave their demo tape to Music for Nations, and Music for Nations signed them. Um, but guess what? On that same gig, right, um, there was an opening band, then Reanimator, then us. You know, and as I said, you know, we got Reanimator signed. Guess whose first ever gig it was, third on the bill, opening? Par- Paradise Lost. Oh, my goodness. I know. I know. Oh. And, and the thing is, the thing is, I've, I mean, Nick knows because I tell the story. They were fucking mm. shit. <laughs> they, they were terrible. They would. They played for half an hour. They played one song twice, and mm. uh, and and just ended up giving up in the end. But um, well, but clearly went on to sell more more records than us and Reanimator put together. <laughs> That's the way it works, man. You know, there's there's video. Now. Our our my first gig with Demolition Hammer was um was a show in Mexico City. I joined the band two weeks before. And we, you know, it was in Mexico City. That's brutal. They're flying us in. We just have a demo out. We we only know like five songs, but they they're like, oh, you come, you play two nights, and you know, an hour set. We're like, but we know five songs. So, and it's, it's it's very unfortunate because it's out there now that the, the people that brought us down are doing like some sort of you know 30th anniversary thing. So they they put out if you, you'll see it online. It's, it's embarrassing as all hell. I got a big giant afro. It's, it's real bad. Um, <laughs> And and we suck like tremendously, tremendously. So we even did like a Metallica cover, and we were so bad. And I, you know, the the sound quality was crap. The, the, the instruments were crap. And I think that hid the fact more that we sucked really bad. And um, so, you know, we played that show, and we're like, oh my god, we're terrible. But you know, it, it, we kind of, you know, over time, we got better, and we're able to write some songs, and it worked out. But um, you know, that's an example of it. Your first gigs or two, they're probably always going to suck. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. absolutely you not to get discouraged. Well, we, um, yeah. yeah, well, our first ever gig, we had a guest appearance by a nine-foot cardboard cutout of Michael Jackson. 
Oh, it still felt a little creeped out next to it, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I nicked it from work. I, I worked in Music for Nations. And the, uh, music for Nations. I worked in a fucking uh-huh. music shop. And um, uh-huh. and, and the the, uh, the LP Bad came out. And um, uh-huh. and we had these huge we had these huge cardboard cutouts of him. And I was like, you know, we're going to be doing our first ever gig. Do you mind if I, you know, take one down mm-hmm. as a, a guest star? And they were like, no, go for it. And I've been doing <laughs> stupid shit like that ever since. <laughs> oh man! Well, look, um, you take care. Um, let's too, let, honestly let's um, let's let's catch up soon. And um, how much? Let, let me just ask: How much of a movie buff are you? I am a pretty you know I wasn't a very popular kid, uh, so I stay home and watch a lot of movies. <laughs> so um, so if... I'm pretty good at you know those old '80s, uh, '70s, '80s, '90s movies. Cool, man. Um, so would you I, like be... Like I said, comedies and sci-fi, man, that, that's my thing. So, um, you know, the Caddyshacks, uh, the Blazing oh, Saddles, yeah, 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 all yeah, those yeah, old yeah. comedy... You know, so would you be... Um, I'll talk about those for hours. Would you be cool... Oh, right, so you'd be cool for uh, for coming on the movie podcast then? Yeah, sure. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much, mate. I will be in touch. All right, man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. No worries. Take care, man. Have a good day. You too. Cheers. Bye. Bye. That could have gone on forever. What a top man. That's right, Howard. What what why what a wise observation that was. I completely agree. You're not a cunt. Um so uh there you go. The latest on Demolition Hammer. Um Derek is yeah, like I said, uh, you know, having having met him in in person and got um got a bit piddly with him as you can um as you can tell. Then um yeah, we we it was it was really cool to have a proper chat with him. And um, and yeah, as you heard, may even end up on movie bollocks as well. Uh, which, by the way, I hope you're all enjoying. And I'm I'm aware that some of you won't actually give a shit. Um, that's absolutely that's absolutely fine. Um, and and some of you are enjoying it. I know. So um, yeah, you know, give us a feedback as as, as long as you uh, you know if you if you are, let me know what you think. Um, and uh, yeah, be, it would be really good to know. Um, so I am battering out the podcast. This is your third podcast this month. Yeah, exactly. Third. You had a movie podcast and you've had two music podcasts and I'm going to keep the content coming. But I need you to share the love, spread the word. I really do. I really, really fucking do. Um, I think I am also going to be um, uh, moving host soon. Um, I, I mean, I'll, it'll still be on, I'll still be on All About The Rock. Um, who are great and this wouldn't have happened without them um, I wouldn't be doing the podcast if it wasn't for them but um, there may it may be time to move and pop off somewhere else um, because I need to get the podcast bigger I need to increase, increase the reach I need to speak to as many people out there as possible because there's so many podcasts out there but I really think that what we've got going here is pretty fucking cool it really is because um, you know, you guys are really supportive. Those people that those people that like talking bollocks don't just fucking like it. They advocate for it. They are, you know, I'm well, I say they, you are, are top fucking people. Please, if we had more, if I could keep the the percentage of people who are manic about the podcast who listen to it, that would be awesome. Because extrapolated, 
Jesus, I think I'd probably just be able to do this as a living. That's not what I'm after, okay? That's what I'm after. This is not a begging bowl moment. But if you can support me on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith, please do. You will, you know, you're not just supporting me. You will get a shitload of awesome content. Don't worry about that. But before we go, let's just remember that Black Sabbath are now selling Black Lives Matter t-shirts. Um, I really hope that... Um, they are giving a percentage, if not all the money, to uh, worthwhile causes. Because I just think, well, they must be. No way is, no way a Sabbath going to put out, a, 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 a going to put a, an album out, sorry, an album, a t-shirt out, and keep the money to themselves. Now, actually, I've just looked up the story. Black Lives Matter instead of Black Sabbath in, this, in, the, in that logo. Um, let's have a look. The shirts are available for pre-order, $25 at this location. Blah, 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 blah. Black Lives Matter movement is launched. The movement is going... Right, ah, here we go. 100% of net proceeds will be donated to Black Lives Matter. There you go. So, I should have probably remembered that and kept a note on it, shouldn't I? Instead of boring you all with this bit at the end of the podcast, but there you go. The other thing I did want to mention, though, aside from that, was it's good old Asking Alexandria, by the way, not Andra, Alex, Asking Alexandria. By the way, Asking Alexandria um, are originally from Ripon in the UK, in Yorkshire, not far from where I'm where I'm from. In fact, on the CB, it used to be called Sleepy Valley. This is also where... Um, uh, Richard Hammond of Top Gear fame is from. So anyway, um, asking Alexandria's Ben Bruce, how is this for a rock and roll anecdote? Hey, I can't compete with this. Ben Bruce, I almost met Gary Moore the night the legendary guitarist died. So there you go. For a long list of who Ben Bruce almost met, I'm sure he'll be releasing a book out soon called Friends With No Fucker. You stupid. What the fuck? Anyway, ah, thanks for your support. Loving it. Stay safe. Thanks to the key workers. Um, lockdown is easing wherever you are. It does seem to be easing, but still say, stay safe, people, because gigs seem to be a very, very long way off yet, certainly in the UK. Um, so take care. Please support the podcast all you can. Thanks for listening. And I'll catch you. I'll chat to you in probably no more than a couple of weeks. Cheers.